Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Lemitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball and the Lady Backs. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 172 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studio. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes. We thank you guys, as always, for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button on whatever forum you're listening to. That way you're notified whenever we release a new episode. And if you could also be so kind to leave us a review and some star power that will help us continue to grow and get our name out there. Got another loaded show for you. Going to be talking basketball, baseball. And then in segment two, we're going to be joined by former Razorback forward Vincent Hunter talking about his career and his new book that is out, plus a few other things. So that'll be again in segment two. And Porter, another great weekend for Razorback Athletics. This spring has just been great, especially over the last two to three weeks. And on top of that, got some incredible weather all across the state. It was sunny and about 60 to 70 degrees, depending on where you were. And I don't know where I was. It was 65 and some little bit of a chill in the background and some crawfish. I, I couldn't have been more happy to finally have my first batch of the season. Oh, yeah, definitely. When you got sun shining out, especially what happened to us two weeks ago, you're going to welcome all the warm weather you can. And, you know, it gets people out of the baseball fields. It gets people outside in general. It gets people in a better mood. And, so yeah, it was nice. Another big weekend for the Hogs. Another, another broom for the baseball team. The basketball team, I mean – overcome Texas A&M's best shot and still won. I mean, that was really impressive that I thought women, you know, had a disappointing early exit to the, you know, SEC women's tournament, but they got the NCAAs to look forward to. Uh, the softball team, 15, I mean, we're setting program records and a lot of, you know, uh, both Coach Stifle and Musselman reach 150 wins this year. So, I mean, a lot to be proud of in Fayetteville. And gymnastics hit their highest score in school history, didn't they? I guess they so. topped that for again. That's their second time this season of of topping it. And they man, yeah. Another thing I forgot. You know, that's their finale. So they went out in style. Yeah, this man. I'm telling you, we just we're we're getting spoiled. I said it two weeks ago. Whenever we had that first big week with another basketball win, some softball. I think softball. I, I want to say their opener they might have dropped, but it's like since then they've won just about every single game. It's just you can go on and on and on, even back to last week when women's track and field and men's both won the SEC indoor championship. So we'll get into it a little bit more here, but uh, yeah, just it's just every single week it just continues to get better. And I don't know what's going to happen uh, once we hit a little bit more adversity. Well, enjoy it while we can. I mean, that, this is the thing. This is what I talked about a year ago. You know, we were on the podcast and we we're talking about just 
the hunger of the Arkansas fans, and and they deserve this. This is very deserving to. You, it's like you can go cheer on the baseball team. Now we're going to go watch the softball team win. We're going to go watch the soccer team win. Track and fields winning championships. The men's and women's basketball team are doing well. It's like for all the adversity the fans have went through, I mean, with the basketball, the football, and the baseball, you know, all the hardships. I mean, this is – it's an amazing time. And like I said, y'all deserve it. Yeah, it's definitely well earned after what Razorback fans have endured in various sports. Uh, just seems, man, that you know, with all those times that we can't catch a break, we're finally getting there. And March Madness is right around the corner. The NBA is in full swing. Our friends at Bet Online is the best place to place your bets, keeping you up to date on all the news, scores, odds, plus the online casino that never closes, and it's also free to sign up. And like I said, the big dance is right around the corner, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest on BetOnline, which is the spot for all your bracketology needs. Head to BetOnline.ag and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts and porters. We mentioned in the open, Arkansas defeated Texas A&M at Bud Walton Arena, 87-80. They are now on an 11-game win streak of SEC games, won 11 of their last 12 minus a close on-the-road loss to the red-hot Oklahoma Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, They have just been phenomenal really ever since that SEC Big 12 matchup. And as released on Sunday, they will. We knew they were going to be the number two seed, but they will officially play the winner of UGA Mizzou, which that game is on Wednesday. They'll play, or I'm sorry, Thursday. They'll play that game uh, Friday night. The winner of UGA Mizzou at 6 p.m. Central Time on SEC Network. Supporter, we're going to get UGA or Mizzou again. Two teams that would beat UGA uh, in that little stretch there. I think that was when Justin Smith was gone. Either way, that was in that rough stretch where we were just on a losing streak there at the beginning of SEC play. So you're going to get either Mizzou for a third time or Georgia again. And uh, I I actually do like that matchup as opposed to some of the things that I saw on the other side of the bracket. But kind of touching back on what Cabo and I had had mentioned, I think right now you're a solid five seed. You beat A&M. You finished off the regular season strong against a struggling A&M team that really fought hard. Buzz Williams teams, you know, are going to do that. And uh, you go into the SEC tournament, and I think that if you at least get to the semifinals, you've got a very good shot at a four seed. Right now, again, I think that you're definitely a solid five. But all this three seed talk that we've seen from Joe Lenardi and and various other places, I'm just still not sure you're going to get that three seed unless you win the SEC tournament. Well, and I don't know, because a big metric when it comes to the SEC or the NCAA tournament is the final 10 games. They've always made a big emphasis on what did you finish the season? And that final 10, that last 10, that's a column. And when you, if you go 10 and over, you know, in your last 10 games, I mean, that's something that really, that's impressive. You know, the, yeah, they had that setback against Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State, but when they fully got the roster back together, got everything clicking and they got things clicking in the locker room where they believed in each other, and they went on this tear. I mean, like I was telling you beforehand with A&M, A&M was in the same similar situation that Ole Miss was going into the women's tournament against Arkansas. You know, your back's at the corner. Your season's coming to an end. You probably got one more game left. You're going to try to be a giant killer. You're going to want to go into Bud Walton Arena. You ain't played in a month, and you're wanting to try to make some noise. And – there for a little bit, it looked like Arkansas was going to take a setback. But you look at the 87-80 win, and you've got a lot of guys that played a lot of minutes. But you've got a big break between Saturday and then when you play Friday. So you can 
you can accept, you know, putting the guys out there for 40 minutes. It's not like, and that's one good thing having that two seat, you know, you're, you got that two spot where you, you get away from that, or you're in that double bye where you play on Friday. But if you're wanting your three, four guys, you got four guys playing 37, 36, 39 and 40 minutes. And then you got to turn around and play two games, you know, two rounds, Tuesday, Wednesday, just to get to Friday. And that's where you get tired, but they got a big break coming up. I like the Georgia matchup better than Mizzou because, you know, you're going to have Tillman back. And then what's the guard's name? The one at Pinson? Yeah, Xavier Was that Pinson. His name? Xavier Pinson. So you're going to have both of those guys. And, and then, of course, the Mitchell Smith. So Missouri could give you some trouble. Now, when we're going to the seed line, I think they've locked a four. I know the three seed, you're, Joe Lenardi, he's going to do it because – what what better fan base is it to say they're a three seed and you're going to get the most excitement out of? It's Arkansas. It shows by the the social media interactions where uh, Eric Musselman in Arkansas is blowing everybody away. So he knows what he's doing. I would say a solid four, but they have to win this game. They get they got to win the round one game to keep that momentum and keep that four, or they could slot you know slip to a five. But four thirteen matchup. That, that's very favorable. You always got some kind of upset when it comes to the 12-5. So it's all about keeping your head, your mental. You know, you got a long layoff. So let's see. And another thing we need to bring up too, this is very important to keep your teams in check because if there's anything in between the SEC tournament and when you start your NCAA tournament and there's COVID issues, you could not be playing at all. So we need to think about that part too. Well, and I want to go back to what you said about momentum. I know that there were some that were a little upset that we ended up playing this game with A&M just because it felt like you had nothing to play for and everything to lose. Well, I, I mean, I can see that at least from a win-loss standpoint, but the fact that you would, the last time that you would have played would have been March 2nd, so about a 10-day span there between March 2nd and then when you play Friday night. I think that that was really good. You talked about getting the momentum and, and keeping what they had going in this big-time win streak. We haven't had this kind of win streak since I think it was the national championship season or at least the mid-90s. And so to be able to play that game and, and not just play the game, but to get challenged, you got to give props to A&M against Mississippi State and Arkansas after not playing, hardly practicing for, I think it was 32, 33 days. Buzz Williams, again, I, I said that he, he's his teams are going to play this way. They're going to fight and they're going to scratch and they're going to claw. That's the way that they are. And I think that getting punched in the mouth and, and being – down the way that you were to A&M. I think it was at least by 15 at one point. It was around there. And so being able to go through that adversity, we've just seen so many different guys step up. I mean, Moses Moody's been great all year, but he's just been phenomenal. He and Justin Smith are two guys I think you could probably put in that phenomenal category over the last few games. J.D. Note, as we've talked about, he's really stepped up his defense. You've got guys all the way around stepping up, and even guys that really haven't done a whole lot for you this year. And Desi's had some big games. He's had about four or five, around four games, I guess you could say, that he has just done really, really well in. But overall, you can still count on him for the most part. And you've also gotten some quality minutes out of Ethan Henderson. So it seems that everybody that has been on the floor has gotten you some sort of production. And at this point in the season, that's extremely encouraging to see. Yeah, you need to run this game. I mean, that if I think if any inkling that Musselman wouldn't want to play it, they could have not played the game. But you said it best, 10-day layoff. And when you're riding a heater, when you're riding an 11 game, 10-11 game win streak, you want to keep the iron hot. I mean, that, that's a big difference between 10 days off. 
you're riding this momentum and you're, yeah, that's going to carry you to the second day. But then it turns into, you know, just going through the motions and, and practice trying to get ready for your next opponent and, and you lose that momentum. And when you're playing the SEC tournament, you come out flat for the first five minutes. We've seen what happened early in the season when they would come out flat first five, six, seven minutes. You know, that could be huge. And you catch a hot team like a Missouri. You get some of these teams that are either on the bubble or this is all they got. I mean, you're going to get the best of that team. So, you know, this is tournament time. This is the time to really step up 40 minutes of hell and get it going. Well, and a lot of times where teams, you, you're talking about what you just mentioned there about the Mizzou's and the like all the other ones that are going to be the lower seed than you, you get that double buy. And these other teams are fighting for either a better NCAA seed or just be, get, making the big dance in general. And so that's where we get these trap games with the, the top four seeds is you get these guys that are on a roll. You haven't played for a couple of days, depending on what your layoff might have been. And so, I mean, like you said, really what it boils down to is you just have to make sure that you keep your foot on the gas. I know that we really hate to use any kind of term like that because of the dreadful tenure of Chad Morris. But I think from a basketball standpoint, we're okay to use it. And you just got to keep doing that. And I think that this team is really one of the hottest in the country, if not the hottest in the country. Uh, they're certainly close to the top. Um, just a phenomenal turnaround. I think Musselman went. I saw a graphic that Musselman went from 11th last year to st- uh, finishing 11th right there to finishing second. So uh, yep. that, and I think Nate Oates, of course, those two guys are the ones that are the highest debated right now for SEC Coach of the Year. Oates went from ninth to first, and Musselman went from 11th to second. So an incredible turnaround for both of those guys. And I think I've got to go with the homer pick here, whether I have my fan hat on or not, and give the nod to Must. Just considering the way that they started SEC play, and he brought in all these new guys, Nate Oates. He is using a lot of guys that he's already had in the past. So I definitely think that uh, Musselman probably has the edge on that. Where are you at on the coach of the year? I think that that's going to be announced now. Is it before the the SEC tournament, or I can't remember if it's. They did that with the women's, and I think I, I think they'll announce it sometime this week. Probably more than likely. I don't know when exactly they do. I don't know if they do it during the finals or to make it a big, uh, like a, a deal, name the all SEC team. But man, I, I think just for the fact that, you know, you, at one point, Arkansas sitting two and four, you, you're wondering does, you know, the fans, does Musselman have control of the locker room? Does these, how, and they were even questioning his ability to, to recruit these transfers to evaluate. Now they go on this 10-11-0 run, 11 win, game win streak, nobody's questioning. For him to go from their question his ability to coach, what's going on in the locker room, and his ability to really evaluate these transfers, for him to turn that around and you get the second seed in the conference and you're, and you're gaining ground on Alabama, I think that right there, it, it should, the nod should go to him. Because you always go where you you was expected to start, and that's where Nate has him. I think it was a one one seed difference. I think Nate Oates was at six and went to went to one, and Arkansas was at five and they went to two. I think I don't know if they got them flip flopped or what, but there was only one spot difference between where they started in the season preseason ranking to where they finished. So that's kind of neck and neck. But if you want to know, like, because Alabama's kind of you know, hit a little decline. Yeah, they had a big win today, but or yesterday. But just what the amazing job that this time last year, Arkansas could barely get a score on the scroll line at ESPN. Now Musselman's going on Saturday shows. He's going on Fine Bomb. 
their social media is the number one social media in all of college basketball. So that right there, that, that shows enough what this program has done in just one year. Yeah, I mean, just the, the arguments that I've heard for both of the guys are really good because we can sit here and say that Musselman had that great turnaround, but on the flip side, you could say that Nate Oates really, like, yes, they have cooled off here in the last month or so, but the fact that they were so consistent, especially at the beginning and through the middle of the year, I think it was the, what, like eight or nine games that they won in the SEC in a row before I want to, I believe it was Mizzou uh, that gave them their first SEC loss. So there's great arguments for both of those guys, and that's one just, of those. Just I, please give it to one guy. Yeah, just give exactly. It to no co. No co. No co. Yeah, and, and, and I'll say it like I did with the um, player of the year when we were talking about Dungey in Boston. If it goes to Nate Oates, I won't be mad because he has deserved it. I mean, there's nothing – if Nate Oates gets it well, Musselman got robbed, and, I mean, you did finish first in your league and stuff, so – I won't be mad if Oates gets it, but I would really love to see Musselman get it as well. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see it in year two. It's been a while since we've had a SEC Coach of the Year. But um, back to their tournament night. So they'll play Friday night at 6 o'clock against either Mizzou or – what was it? Mizzou or Georgia, so the winner of that game. Then if they end up winning on Friday, they will play Saturday at 2 p.m. Central. I believe that one is on ESPN. And then also, too, if they make it to the SEC Championship game, that will be at noon on ESPN. So it's been a while. I think the last time we were in the SEC Championship game was 2015 when uh, we got rolled by the Kentucky team that almost went undefeated. So it's been about six seasons or so since we've been there and so in the uh, going to the women's basketball tournament man yeah porter you said it that was a really tough loss losing to was it number 13 or number 11 uh, the 11 the 11th seed yeah number 11th seed uh just secure austin what more can you say 29 points 13 rebounds and a 69 to 60 defeat and, and yeah. she didn't play when they played earlier in the season she yeah. she was out i can't remember if it's code of covid protocol or she was just out but you caught, and I've said this on uh, multiple outlets where I've talked to people, you know, that game was like this year's team played last year's team. Last year's team was Ole Miss. They had that hunger and that fight, and they just they put it on from the start. And Arkansas tried to get back in that gap, and Ole Miss would just run away with it. But, yeah, when you got the big in there, and, and this has been, you know, Mike Neighbors have said it, you know, when you get an active big down low that can move and, you know, dine and dash and – scoop and score you're going to have problems with it you got just one that could post up and you can get in foul trouble you do all right but and we've noticed that you know when the baylor win and the yukon win when they've had success against the bigs it's because they got in foul trouble and, and you look at the other team that had to play south carolina in the sec women's championship game it was georgia another team that gave arkansas fits because they had bigs down low so, but congratulations to South Carolina. They won the SEC Women's Tournament and beat Georgia today, uh, rightfully so. I mean, it was an amazing year for the women. It was the deepest that I've ever seen the SEC. I mean, from top to bottom. I mean, you had your little your, your teams in the, the bottom, but Tennessee, Georgia really stepped up this year and, and surprised Florida. You know, they had that one girl that scored 41 on Arkansas. And so, I mean, it was a really good year for women's, and I can't wait to see where – I mean, we got to wait a week, but I can't wait to see where they uh, send Arkansas, who they got to 
play against in San Antonio. Yeah, and they're still going to get a good seating, and they're still in a great position. You know, they this team we've talked about all year that outside of Taylor Thomas, they really just don't have much help down low. They're not really that kind of team. They're going to get on the perimeter and they're going to shoot the ball. They shot thirty two percent against Ole Miss, twenty two percent from three, and they got out rebounded forty eight to thirty four. And so that's obviously not going to do much for you. I don't think that they're going to see very many games where they shoot that badly as a team. It's just with with the amount of talent that they have, Destiny Slogan, we all know who they are. Amber Ramirez, the sniper. Chelsea Dungey, in my opinion, the best player in the SEC, one of the best in the entire country. I, th- I still think that they're going to be able to do some damage, and they're not, it's not going to be one of those disappointments in the NCAA tournament. I mean, Porter, but most of the teams that – You're going to a tournament that you haven't been to. You know, right. they – yeah. yeah. You would have had a different motivation. You went into last year's knowing that you had to fight to get in the NCAA. You knew that you were going to get in, but you still fought your way to the championship game. This year, they knew they were a lock, and something just – they just didn't – they come out flat. You know, 17-7 in the first quarter, you, that, that's a big hole to get out of. And then you just get in that funk, but they're going to have that hunger. And we've said it a couple of times on the show. They're going to be in San Antonio, Amber Ramirez's backyard. So they're going to be ready to go, and they they won't come out flat. They'll be on a mission because, you know, they have something to prove. It was taken away from them the last two years, as I've we've all said before on this podcast. You've said it. I've said it. You know, they, they've gotten the past two NCAA tournaments taken away from them. So they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, no question. And like I was going to bring up the whole thing we've mentioned about how it's in San Antonio. Amber Ramirez always brings it on. That's her hometown. That's she always turns it on when at the biggest stage. And I I know we can say you know the stage in the SEC tournament that was that was big and everything. But uh, you know I'm not saying that they didn't want to be there. But I will say that their sights are set higher than the SEC championship if they couldn't win that. And so I'm with you. I think that they're going to rebound from this again. It's very unlikely that you have consistent games where you shoot that poorly with the amount of talent that we do have. And so is it next Monday? that they get their seating it'll be like next yeah, monday around yeah, lunchtime the men do you know right after the sec tournament i believe they and it's like 30 minutes after that they do the selection sunday well the very next day they do it for the women's and then it's selection monday for the women so i'm excited man i mean these girls deserve it and i wish it was a thing where you know they had the watch party like i remember it i was scheduled to go to the watch party and be there with the team and as they announced where they were going to go and Man, it was just how everything got shut down, and it just went from you're ready to go see them, you know, get announced to the whole sports world get got shut down in a matter of days. It was it was so crazy to think about. It was a year ago, but it just seems like it was so long time ago that that happened. Yeah, we're just a few days from like actually everything. I remember where I was. It was one of those where uh, you just remember what you were wearing, what you were doing. Um, whenever everything just started getting shut down, the, the baseball season, all of the spring sports, the rest of the conference tournaments and basketball, it was just, oh, man, it was sad. But uh, speaking of baseball, so the Razorbacks swept Murray State. They are now 10-0. and They won Friday 7-6, to 11-6 Saturday, having to come back in both of those games and then took care of business 6 to nothing, getting the shutout on Sunday. Murray State scored six of their runs in, the, in game one, Six of their runs in the third through fifth innings, four in the fifth, and then they were down. We, the Razorbacks were down four to three in uh, the second on Saturday before the bats got hot, and then, as I said, they took care of business on Sunday. So, Porter, you know, we're really doing well, I think, at the plate. 
Uh, you know, you I know that fan, but the fan base would really like to see them get on the teams quicker. You're probably going to need to do that once you get closer to NCAA or to SEC play. But overall, I mean, you know, you had Christian Franklin step up in a couple of games. Colin Smith, like he has in a few, just whenever he's his uh, number has been called. Casey Opitz, Brady Slavens, these guys. It, Robert Moore, Robert Moore has really just exploded over the last couple of of uh, series, dating back to SEMO and Murray State. Just if one guy, it's kind of like how we've talked about with basketball some this year. If one or two guys is struggling, there's always somebody right there, multiple guys to step up. Yeah, and, and I was looking at their stats. As a team, they're batting 310, and in their lineup, seven of the nine guys are hitting over 300, 300 and over, and they've hit 14 home runs so far this year. To me, it's like you made the great point of the plug-and-play. When somebody's you know, having struggling, they, somebody comes off the bench, Gregory comes in and gets a big hit. Nesbitt got a, his first hit. It was a home run. I mean, it's just so awesome to see how electrifying this team can be. And when you think they're down and out, I mean, they just go on a tear and end up winning the game. I mean, I can't remember what the stat was, what the percentage of their runs were in the eighth or ninth inning. I think we discussed that in the last pod or the pod before on the percentage of runs that have happened eighth inning on. So this team has proved, and we've watched other teams in the in the top ten lose games like these, lose a, a game one or a game two to teams and mid-level teams or lower division D1 teams. So for Arkansas to really pick it up and be undefeated after, you know, three solid weekends at 10-0, and 0, I mean, that says a lot to where, you know, Arkansas is and they're pitching. You know, their pitching is kind of, uh, if you want to say they're weak link, I mean, they've had some struggles at the plate, but then again, you just pl- plug somebody in in the, in the relief and they just come in and strike everybody out. Two guys you mentioned there, Zach Gregory and Jacob Nesbitt. Jacob Nesbitt, who Dave Van Horn said was one of, if not the best defensive third baseman in the country. He struggled really bad again in Arlington. I, don't, I think he went over at the plate, so that he's been kind of just sitting back a little bit, just got getting his head right, kind of like what they had to do for Casey Martin last year, sit him out for, I think it was the Baylor game. And Nesbitt comes out, like you said, hits a home run, gets his first hit of the year, and it's that. And Zach Gregory, what more can you say? We've been talking about left field. They've been doing some experimenting right there. Braden Webb, your best defender, just hasn't got it at the plate this year. So last week you started Webb. I think it was on a fr- – I think he, Webb started two games on the Thursday and Friday. Then you had Gregory Saturday and then Ethan Bates, the freshman from Hot Springs, last Sunday. This time Webb got the start on Friday, and then it was Greg- Gregory on Saturday and, and Sunday. And every single time, now Porter, he didn't have a lot of hits, but he had 100% on-plate percentage, whether it be from getting a hit, hit by a pitch, walked, I think he walked about four or five times. That was how he got on base most of the time. But the fact is, is not they might not be getting all kinds of hits like the the runs, because I know that they actually had more or less runs. Uh, I think it was six to five that Murray had more so that Murray had six hits, the Razorbacks had five, but still won at six to nothing. So the fact that just shows you that you've got guys getting on base, you've got guys getting sack flies. So we're not just getting it through the home runs. It's that you're getting runs in multiple ways, really three, four, five different ways in some cases. Well, when you got your youth on the team and you're, you're taking walks, I mean, that just shows you the maturity and the expectations that Dave Van Horn and his staff have. And that's something that's crazy that this early in the year, they're getting, you know, you got somebody having a a thousand percent on base percentage, whether it's taking walks. I mean, that's going to come in handy because if you're doing that now in March, 
come June, July, when you're really, you know, you got their top pitcher and he starts struggling and you draw a couple of walks. I mean, that gets him out of the game and they bring a reliever in. And then that's when Arkansas seems to unload it. They have shown in the past two series that once they get past that, you know, their top starter. And then after that, they just rock the rest of the rotation. So it's going to be difficult when you start SEC play and you've got three really good starters. But the good thing is if they can get through each one of those four innings with with not being down three, four runs, I mean, they're going to lose some series, but it's promising showing what the offense can do and and just the style of the pitching and how much, how deep they are on both sides of the field. Yeah. And Palette's your Friday guy. I think he's locked that up. Lockhart is your Sunday guy. We don't really know what's going to happen with the Sunday spot. Zeb Vermillion has been walking a lot of batters. They said that that's probably the reason why he didn't get a start over the weekend, or at least one of the reasons. Caleb Bolden looked really promising, especially at the beginning of last year after coming off Tommy John surgery. Had a couple of good showings this season, or at least one, and just really in his starting roles has not been there. And so we're we're kind of at a, at a crossroads right now on the Saturday guy and mainly the relievers. Now we haven't been horrible at really at the relief spots, but it has been very, that's definitely the most inconsistent, you know, and then Cole, um, Kevin, I almost said Colton Cops. Kevin Cops has been your guy that's been your setup man right there in the seventh, eighth inning. That's either going to get Jackson Wiggins to come in. Um, I can't remember who it was that came in today. Uh, it, it wasn't Wiggins, but we, we've got guys right there, even at the end, whether it be Elijah Trest, but Jackson Wiggins is one that you that they've got him on a pitch count right now. He's really only been coming in for an inning, but it's I swear it's like all but two or three batters that he's faced. Uh, he has he has struck out and just throwing touching ninety eight right now. I don't think he's throwing even as hard as he can. They're probably keeping him from doing that just based on how young he is, how early in the season it is. But like you said, Porter, I mean it's not just on the offense at the plate. It's at, they're still experiencing, but they've got so many different arms right now, and that's why I'm very convinced that really sooner than later that they'll get this figured out as far as the middle relief position and what's scary they're sitting 10 and though we're talking about they still need to get things figured out you know it, when you're talking about baseball it's about analytics and you're, you mentioned that you know they're limiting these pitchers to innings and holding them back on, i mean we ain't even seen what this team can really do from the pitching standpoint i know you can't really do that on the on the offensive side with the batting and stuff but when they get this full rotation and they get a, a team like Alabama in a bomb stadium and that you get that Texas feeling all over again, it's going to be crazy to just the energy. And I can't wait till, you know, the teams get a full bomb stadium because it seems like we talk about so much success that all these programs are having, but less fans are able to go see it. So I'm, I can't wait till they open the floodgates and let fans get in that stadium. Yeah, and it's not – you mentioned the Alabama series. It's not that far off. It's crazy. Like, it seems like we blinked and the season's already almost to conference play. And I understand you're not playing – I don't think we normally play this little of non-con games. That also comes with the COVID season. But either way, it's just flown by. And, of course, you also start a little bit earlier, too. You usually start in early February as opposed to, uh, like, the third week as opposed to like we did this year. But uh, the Louisiana Tech series will be in Ruston. Friday's game at 6 p.m., Saturday 2 p.m., Sunday at 1. You can catch all these games on Cox Sports Plus, also on the TuneIn app or various local stations to hear the dashing broadcasting broadcasting duo of Bubba Carpenter and our partner at the, at the, at the GOAT. Well, the GOATs, 
plural. Yeah, there. the goats. Uh, I Bob added Turner a and Phil Elson. on that. <laughs> and also two Porter, I wanted to mention we talked about all these sports. Hockey is also nine and zero. They uh, beat Dallas Baptist on Friday seven to one. Saturday five to two. I believe they got one or two more weekend series left. So hockey's rolling right along too. We got uh, man. I mean, it seems I, I don't think that any of our squads right now have any any losing records that I can think of. Uh, maybe one or two. They're all ranked. But I mean, yeah, every, everybody every, everybody's yeah. ranked. Yeah, they're ranked. I love when Hunter Yurchek comes out with those rankings and we get to post that. I mean, that's that's really cool. But I wanted to ask you something real, real quick. Is there a reason why? I, I remember us talking a few months ago uh, about this Law Tech series. Is there a reason why that it's being played down there? You know, I don't. I, I'm not sure if it has something to do with having to meet a quota, which, I mean, no, normally not a lot of the non-con quote-unquote gimme games are typically at home in Fayetteville, and so I really don't know. I, I think special circumstances or something between the coaches that the, that was the reason why they were playing. I, I might be wrong, but I thought there was a specific reason why they were playing down in La Tech. I'm, I'm not sure of the reason of that. Now, I do believe there is a coach. I, I'm not sure if it's the head coach or one of the assistants, but I do think one of them does have a history with DVH. Uh, so that's okay. that's a big reason why they're probably playing. Now, of course, also the, the being regionally closer, considering that you're limited on the scheduling and all that stuff. But uh, but I'm not I'm not sure. But it, it's it's wild to me. I was just thinking I was I, I was thinking a second ago that the Alabama series was two weeks away. So it is the week after next, and we've only got a game with Oklahoma in between the Law Tech series and Alabama. So yeah, I mean it is. I was not lying when I said that conference play is just right around the corner. So it is uh, coming up on us quick. But yeah, guys, another really excited, uh, a really exciting weekend week again for the Razorback Athletics, and hopefully we're celebrating more once uh, the guys get there to Nashville and and start playing their game uh, in the SEC tournament. So other than that, we've got Vincent Hunter, former Razorback, up next. Other than that, Porter and I will catch you, or somebody uh, will catch you, whether it's us or someone else. We'll see you on Friday for the Friday show. Other than that, guys, take care. Stick around. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing. eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. 
Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Networks. Kyle Sutherland here with you. And now joining me via the Workman's Travel Center hotline is former Razorback Ford and author of the new children's book, Junior and His Basketball Dreams, Vincent Hunter. And Vincent, look forward to talking with you. Appreciate you taking time to come on. Take with time me. To come on with me. Man, thank you so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Well, and I'll start off here. Um, so right now, I know that uh, I'll, I'll start off saying that I know you continued your career overseas uh, after you played for the Razorbacks. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll get into your book here in just a second. And I know that you've done some coaching. You've done some teaching since you've gotten done playing basketball. Is there anything else that you've uh, got going on, or is that keeping your plate pretty full? Man, that's keeping my plate pretty full, man. Uh, teaching, coaching, and also coaching uh, for uh, – AU program was elite. So it's really basketball and school year round for me, which is it's not a it's not a bad thing because I, I love the game of basketball. So it's it's basketball all the way around. And so have you been at East M since you've been, got you got out of basketball around 2017, I think is was that I saw. Is that correct? Yep. I got a, I re, I retired in 2017 and I since my retirement, I started my my foundation, Project May, Project May Foundation, and um, and May is an acronym meaning motivate, attitude, direction, education, and just trying to inspire our youth. Uh, hosting basketball camps throughout the state of Arkansas, I've hosted um, eight camps in eight different cities in, in in Arkansas. So that's going really well. I started that, and then after that, I started teaching. Uh, in elementary teaching kindergarten, <laughs> imagine that, at Mapleville Elementary. And from there, I started teaching at uh, East M Junior High. And that's when I started coaching for the junior high, uh, my first year teaching at East M. And you coach kids now, so let's talk about when you were younger. And you played at J.A. Fair, which I believe now is one of the schools that's consolidated to form uh, what yep. has become Little Rock Southwest High School. Now, did your recruiting, exactly. your, did your recruiting start off uh, with letting out? Things were a lot different, even just in that time. It hadn't quite been 20 years ago. Not trying to tell your age. I'm not too far behind you. But even at that time, this there was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. There was no social media the way that nope. kids do it like they do now. Did your recruiting start off with letters, or did you see coaches in person at camps or games? How did all that become about? Well, um, first off, I didn't go to any camps. I didn't go to any top 100 camps, top 25 camps at all. It was strictly high school and AU tournaments for me. And with my recruiting, as you know, that it wasn't any social media back then. It was more letters. It was the more letters you got, the more popular you are in in in, in the basketball world in my era. And um, you don't see coaches out a lot either during that time. Only at the big tournaments. You wouldn't see them in tournaments like in Arkansas or um, in Texas, you would really see them during nationals. And that was the big top-tier tournament um, when I was playing AAU. So it was – you saw the coaches' faces, but you didn't see them often, not at all. 
And you played under Stan Heath and John Pelfrey, but you in high school, your recruiting started uh, your final couple of years in high school were under the great Nolan Richardson when he was still at Arkansas. And how did yes. that process all go down? Now, did Nolan's staff recruit you pretty hard and then Heath picked up on it when he got on? How, how did all that work out? Did one staff well, recruit you harder than the other? Well, Nolan's staff, um, they recruited me when I was uh, in my 11th grade year, but they were, it was soft. It wasn't a, a real hard recruit. Uh, they knew who I was, but they came to come on my games. But it wasn't a, a solid recruitment from them. Um, so when Stan Heath came on the scene, it was his priority because he's he's a new coach. You know, he has these Arkansas kids that he has to get, and that's when it started getting it started picking up very progressively uh, when Stan Heath got there. So they they did the whole nine. I can remember my recruiting process. Um, from from Arkansas, like the back of my hand, it was it was that amazing. It was that amazing. It was unreal. And they course, did the red carpet. They brought the red carpet for me. It was amazing. And it, obviously, you wanted to be a Razorback, being raised in Arkansas, just like we all do. Whenever we're playing sports, our dream is to be a Razorback, whatever sport it may be. Were there any other schools that I know that there were other schools that were looking at you, but that you were really thinking about going to that it was in strong competition with Arkansas? Um, it, Mississippi State was one. They were recruiting me really tough. Um, I actually took a visit to Mississippi State. I only took two visits during my recruitment process, which was Mississippi State and Arkansas. And it was either Mississippi State or um, Oklahoma State with Eddie Sutton. And those were the two that were really on me really hard. And it was on me and Ronnie at the same time. We were the top two kids uh, in the 2003 class in the state of Arkansas. So they were both recruiters really hard. And it was between those two. And your class in 2003 was very talented. You, you just mentioned the one right there that came in with you. Uh, the legacy, yeah. Ronnie Brewer, who's, of course, his dad was a legend uh, before he became one himself, was a top 40 recruit. Olu Famatimi, a McDonald's All-American top 20 player. Yeah. I believe he was the second best shooting guard in the country. Even though Olu was only there for about two seasons, you and Ronnie, among others, helped get this team back on track to the big dance. How was your relationship with Ronnie? I think you kind of just answered that, but with Ronnie and the guys that you came in with? Yeah. Um, uh, Ronnie is – I played AU with Ronnie. I've been knowing Ronnie 15-plus years. Uh, he's one of my my best friends. We, we have a group chat. <laughs> Me, uh, Ronnie, and Duntell Jefferson, which played for Arkansas as well. We all have a group chat, and, you know, Ronnie is somebody who I, you know, he was a guy that I wanted to compete against. In, in, in high school, and we just had a a very um, great relationship on and off the court. There was somebody who I looked up to in high school. I would always see how many points Ronnie scored in, in one of his high school games, and I was like, you know what? I got to get more points than Ronnie this next game because I can't let him outdo me. So that's the relationship that we had with each other on, on the basketball on, on the basketball court. But off the court, you know, it's – He's like, he's like my brother. He's like my brother. 
I want to circle back to Eddie Sutton. You had said that he had recruited you really hard, and we know what he did really helped putting Arkansas basketball on the map yeah. before Nolan had done it. And you hear all these players, especially Joe Klein, Charles, Charles Ballantyne, other legends uh, that did play under the great Eddie Sutton. What was he like to you? I know that you never played for him, but just getting to know him through the recruiting process, what was that like after hearing so many great things about him from previous Arkansas basketball players? Well, um, he was straight to the point. He was like, hey, if you want to come win championships, you want to come play for me, basically. Um, he came to my house. It's funny. He, he came to my house for one of my house visits. Um, and he had the shortest visit of any of my other coaches. It was He was in there for like literally for 10 minutes and he was out. And I was like, hold on, is this how I'm supposed to go? This was my first one. <laughs> and he came to my house. He said that, you know that we want you. You know, you're a great player. We can make you these amazing things. Like, he gave me a box of rings. He gave me a box, and I opened the box, and it, all kind of rings was falling out. Like, all kind of rings. I don't know how many rings was. And he was like, if you want to win, and you want a ring, you were going to come to Oklahoma State. And he told my mom, we want your son. We can get him graduated. We want him to play for us. You know, all that jazz. And he left. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, what just happened here? Uh, so he was always one of the top coaches that I always wanted to play for because of him playing for the coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks and they won a national championship. It was just... It was just meant to be. I'm, I'm Arkansas all the way. And stay on the topic of coaches, as I mentioned, you played for Stan Heath, started off signed with him, and then you finished your career under John Pelfrey. It's always tough undergoing a coaching change, but you know there was some high times for the Razorbacks at that time. As I mentioned, you guys got back to the NCAA tournament, but there was always mm-hmm. also some low times. What was that coaching change like? As it is always tough on any kind of player, any college um, player. Whatever. It was. It was. It was a tough transition. Because I think that we were lacking. We had the pieces. We really had the pieces. I think we were lacking leadership and an identity. You know, we didn't, we had Stan Heath for what, three years. And I think we had Pelfrey for another three years. And, and, and in my stint, I had Coach Pelfrey for one year. I had Stan Heath for four years. And, um, we just could never build that that chemistry with each other. And I also think that um, Stan Heath was put in a bad position too of coming to the SEC and like not knowing how aggressive the SEC conference is coming from his conference. I think it came from Kent State, I think. And it it was an eye-opener. And he had to realize that I need high-quality kids. I need to turn up the offense. And by the time and he started to get the used to things, you know, you know, with Arkansas, man, he was, we were like winners. They want to win. And, you know, they got to John Pelfrey, which I thought he was a great addition to the University of Arkansas, being from the SEC and, um, and coaching in the SEC as well. 
I'm talking with former Razorback forward Vincent Hunter. And Vincent, I want to talk about the current college landscape, the current landscape for college basketball. It's very polarizing for a lot of people, particularly with the one-and-done rule. People have their arguments for whatever side that they feel to talk about. Now, do you feel the way that it is right now is how it should be with at least having to go to college for one year? Or do you think it should possibly go back to what it was previously to where if a kid has the talent and is ready for the NBA, go ahead and let him go. But do you think that right now that the way that it is currently formatted that that's healthy for not just the player but also the university i i think it should i i my personal opinion i think it should go to being in college one year and then going to the nba because it gives you that it gets your it gets your body ready it gets your mind ready for what's about to happen because um it can be a shock to some people and that's how, and some kids, you know, going straight from, it takes a special person to go from high school to the NBA. It takes a really special person to do that. But also like getting that college experience, man, I, I think college is freaking great. I, I love my college experience for Arkansas. And I think every kid should at least experience the college experience of it. You know, you know, being cheering and people uh, chanting your name and, you know, just being on campus. College is fun. The college experience of being an athlete is fun. I just think every kid should experience that. As a former player, seeing the highs and the lows, as I mentioned previously, of the Razorback basketball program right now, as we're recording this and as this drops, we're on some of the best success. We're seeing some of the best success that we've seen since the late 90s, former Razorback basketball team. And what can you say about the job that not just Coach Musselman has done, but with these other great coaches that he has on staff, guys that had coached in the NBA, have been head coaches, have all these different great stories that is great recruiting pitches, especially that can get players to the NBA. What can you say about the job that they've done so far? I mean, I think it's excellent. I think it's, um, they're, they're culturable, meaning that they understand the climate of the recruitment, uh, status as as it's coming in. It's everything is changing. Everything is changing. And I think they're on top of their game and, and, being on social media is very big. I see most of it on social media, something we didn't have when we were in in college. Um, but every school is on social media. So the more you post, the more the players and, and kids are gonna gonna see him. Like, hey, I like I like where he's going. I like I like his system. And they wanna come to Arkansas. So I think the climate is, is right for it. I think they're doing a great job. The energy is right. And I know they're gonna be great. I know they're going to be great. We'll switch over to your book, Junior and His Basketball Dreams, that I mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, of, this of course. And, and uh, tells the story. It's been, I know, great for you, as you mentioned to me off air, that uh, it's just been a great experience for you. It's really taken off. And it tells the story of a young man who dreams of becoming a Razorback. And you can find the book and also the audio version. And, Vincent, I'll let you have the floor here and kind of tell us about the places that you can purchase it and also uh, give us a quick summary of it. Of course. Well, you can purchase uh, Junior's Basketball Dreams on um, Apple Books, uh, audio, uh, audio book, and um, we got Barnes and Nobles, and we also, which everyone should has Amazon. You can purchase on Amazon, uh, Junior's Basketball Dreams. Uh, yeah, man, this book is something that I've been working on for the past three years. Uh, I felt the need 
to do a children's book during this time. Um, and I think that it was, it was, it was right for the, for the cause of it as well. Uh, working hard, uh, being dedicated to your craft, uh, living out your dreams, um, is, is, is dealing with sports, um, being dedicated. These are some of the skills and the, and, and the, the tangibles that you need to be a successful person, not just only in basketball, but uh, in life as well. And I think that, you know, the more kids read this, read about it, you know, the better they'll be. And of course I want to, to make it about a kid with in Arkansas, right? It's, it's only right for a kid to be from Arkansas to want to play for Arkansas. And he wants to grow up. Junior wants to grow up and be like his dad and, and play for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And his dad is letting them know that, hey, in order for you to be a Razorback, you're going to have to work hard for it. They're not going to just be giving you anything. If you want to be an Arkansas Razorback, you're going to have to bust your butt and, and believe in yourself and work hard towards that dream. And that's what Junior is. He's, he's working hard towards it. And um, the ending is, is, is up to you to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and so is this something that you had always thought of just growing up at really or during your playing days as you got into the professional <clears throat> ranks? And, or was it possibly something that you thought of after? It could have been a combination of both, of course, but I know that it definitely gave you a whole new perspective being on the coach's side and actually mm-hmm. coaching the players as opposed to being the player your whole life. Right. So how that happened was I was teaching when I, after my retirement, I was working in an elementary school at at Mapleville Elementary. And I was reading some of these children's books um, to our kids and just going over them. And I didn't see the, um, where's the passion? You know, right? Where's the passion of where these kids can, can, can read about passion? What about the work ethic? I know the Dr. Seuss books are are good for, for learning, but our kids need to read about, you know, their dreams, say, you know, the passion. And I didn't see any books like that. And I just wanted to create a, a, a space to where um, it could be a book about, you know, your dreams, your goals, your passion, working hard towards them. And, um, and, you, can, and you can achieve anything you want to be. And that's something that I've, I was raised on. I'm, I'm a very advocate person of hard work. And I think hard work works. And I'm like, why not write about it? And so these kids can probably understand, try to understand that, hey, if I work hard at something, I could possibly get it. And that's exactly what I did, man. Even even with the book, I didn't know anything about writing a book. But I had to, you know, work hard at the process and doing my my due diligence and studying and, and, you know, the YouTube videos and, you know, trying to hit up people who've written books. and you know, I had to work hard at that, and now look what I have now. I got a I got a children's book, and I'm I'm so I'm so amazed by it. I'm just so amazed by it, man. Well, I'd like to wish you congrats on that already. At the you know, and you still got a lot more to go on that. I know this just is just the beginning, and hey, man, hopefully you oh, get yeah. another one going because this is something that uh, I think that 
not just kids can relate to, even adults. It doesn't really matter what age you are. Uh, you know, yeah, it's exactly. A, it's a great point just for everybody. So, again, that's Junior and his basketball dreams. You can find that on the book version and also the audio version anywhere you find books. So, Vincent, it's been great talking with you, man, former Razorback Ford. It's uh, always great hearing the stories of the ones that put on the uniform that we watched throughout the years. And, man, uh, it was great talking with you. Really appreciate you talking with me. Man, I really appreciate this, man. This is an honor. Um um, anytime, anytime, man. I, I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for it. I'm all Arkansas. I love Little Rock. I love the Razorbacks. I'm diehard, man. I'm diehard. Well, that will do it for episode number 172 for Vincent Hunter. My name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.